Radio.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to Gone Mobile. This episode's being recorded on July 9th, 2014. So platform as a service offerings are very popular these days, especially when you get into the mobile development side of things. And there's numerous big players in the space and, you know, a lot of options out there. So for this episode, we're, we're joined by Kirill and Yavor from over on the, the Azure mobile services team at Microsoft. So we can really dive into to all the things that they're offering and what's, what might set them apart from, you know, some of the other offerings out there. So thanks for joining us, guys. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks. So before we get started, especially because, you know, the, there's two people on the line uh, over on your side. So can you both just quickly introduce yourselves to our listeners, you know, at, you know, at least so people can you know, differentiate between the voice and we can let's just start with Kirill. Definitely. Uh, my name is Kirill Gavriluk. I work in Microsoft, uh, focused on uh, backend services for mobile developers. And one of them is Azure Mobile Services that we're pretty excited about. And Yavor? Uh, hi, my name is Yavor, and I'm uh, also a PM on the mobile services team. Um, kind of been with Microsoft for about seven years and kind of always focused on this client server space. Uh, so, yeah, uh, excited to work on mobile services. Yeah, it's excited to have you on the show. So, you know, just to kick things off with uh, the obvious question, like what, what exactly are Azure mobile services? Good question. Um, <laughs> Azure Mobile Services is a great uh, way to build uh, and run your mobile-facing APIs. Uh, right out of the gate, it gives you uh, fairly useful mobile-facing capabilities like push, um, notification storing data, authenticating users using a variety of identity providers, and ability to execute custom code uh, while you do so. Um, mobile services has existed out there on the market for a while. By now, it's probably a year and a half or so. There's been good traction in a variety of different developer segments. Um, and uh, of course, we, are, we realize we're not the only way to build and run those, those APIs, but we're happy to go into that and how mobile services is different. <laughs> So one of the things that I know fairly well from developing Push Sharp is uh, dealing with push notifications on various platforms. Uh, what different platforms does Azure Mobile Services support? Uh, well, uh, we support all the major ones. So starting from the sort of traditional Microsoft platforms, uh, and then of course iOS, Android, but also uh, Xamarin. So uh, we basically uh, we support pretty much anything that uh, is kind of big in the developer community right now. And so most of your, your APIs, um, except for maybe the, the instance of push, like the data and everything, is that pretty much platform agnostic then? Like, could we tap into those from, you know, another web server or something if we needed to? Yeah, so the the mobile service itself is basically a, a REST HTTP service. Uh, so you can talk to it from anything that can speak HTTP. And our SDKs themselves, I mean, we use a portable class library for uh, Xamarin and, and the Windows platform. So that's all shared code. And then we have sort of native uh, plugins for iOS, Android, etc. cetera. Um, so, um, but I mean, underneath it's all HTTP, right? So um, anyone can really target it. And I think I've seen that you're expanding some of the platforms in terms of the, the push side of things, like what providers you work, talk to. Um, as of today, what, what ones are you working with? So we work, we obviously support um, Apple Push Notification Service, Google Cloud Messaging Service uh, for iOS and Android. Uh, we also work with Kindle, um, uh, Amazon DM, I don't even know what it stands for. Uh, <laughs> AGM service, um, as well as uh, we are just about to add Nokia X. Uh, basically, any platform out there that uh, knows how to push, um, we certainly want to uh, enable them. So, I'm kind of just sticking with the the push notifications theme since we, you know, started going off in that direction. You know, so like. Can you walk us through the the steps involved, you know, of, you know, let's say I'm a developer, I'm, you know, building out an app where I want to incorporate push notifications across, say, iOS, Android, Windows phone. Um, like what's involved in getting that up and running on Azure mobile services? Yeah, 
Definitely. Um, so typically, push, the way push notification works is that you have um, a device operating system that is natively aware of push notifications capability. Uh, the application uh, retrieves from the operating system an identifier, a device handle. On iOS, it's device token. On Android, it's a registration ID. On Windows, it's channel URI. But they all behave very similarly. Um, once you have the device handle, you can pass it on to a backend. It could be a mobile service. It could be something else. And uh, then your, your application backend can send push notifications to your, to your app using one of those platform notification services, we call them, um, which are APNS on Apple, GCM on Google uh, for Androids, WNS for Windows. Now, you may be asking, you can do this without using mobile services or any of the other uh, mobile uh, services providers or um, bars or anything. But it's painful. Yeah, but it's painful, exactly. So what is it, what's special about it, what mobile services gives you? A is we take care of managing those device handles for you. What you do is you still get the device handle on the app side, but then you give it to mobile service, and from there on, we register for your logical user ID uh, or for a group of users or for a segment of users, for example, everyone who is within half a mile radius of me or everyone who wears jeans on Sundays. Um, you name it, it doesn't really matter. But once you register the device handle, we manage the life cycle of it. If it expires, we make sure that we don't send to that device handle anymore. While your, while your code within mobile services or whichever applications that use mobile services, can send push notifications to a logical user uh, or to a logical segment of users or to any arbitrary intersection of segments of users. For example, everyone who wears jeans on Sundays and within is within half a mile radius around me. That's kind of the idea. That's what we help you. And then, of course, there is a bunch of additional things that typically come with push, not push notifications, like you want to localize your push notifications. You want to schedule them at a pro to go off at appropriate time so you don't wake up people at 3 a.m. in the morning um, with exciting push notifications, hey, new genes. Um, or you want to uh, do a batch broadcast. In, in, like One of the things that we are known for is that we can do very fast instant broadcast to millions of devices. Let's say Bing News is an app that is on every Windows device, and they use us to push uh, broadcast notifications everywhere. That's kind of that's sort of stuff that we do. So you mentioned being able to you know segment users in you know by you know different criteria. You mentioned you know, jeans on Sunday or or what have you. Um, is that like as a developer, like what's involved in giving you these different segmentation points for users? Is it basically just um, any arbitrary thing that we want to define as app developers? Yes, basically it is all. Uh, it, we don't create the segment for you. Um, we are actually working on integrating with another service that re recently joined uh, Microsoft um, Happy Family, which is uh, called Captain.com. Um, and that service is uh, also collecting analytics and is able to formulate segments on its own. And you can define the segments in a nice portal and then uh, use it to, broad to send push notifications to it. Um, so that's that kind of adds additional ability. But with mobile, with just mobile services today, you define those segments. For us, those are just strings. But we are pretty good at intersecting intersecting those segments, uh, joining them, uh, doing and really broadcasting to those segments very quickly. So it's kind of like associating a user's device with like a tag. Exactly, exactly. And so then if you need to update, if let's say channel URI changed, device handle changed, like expired, got renewed, uh, you just update it with us, we automatically update it for that user ID and you can continue pushing to a logical user or logical segment. You don't need to maintain that device handle. And you mentioned a couple of different ways of being able to to trigger those push notifications of being sent out, be it scheduling them or batching them and that kind of thing. Um, so like, again, you know, so I'm an app developer. I want to to trigger these notifications to go out to my users. Is 
is that all done through the the Azure Mobile Services portal on on Azure's website, or can, are, are there APIs for this as well? Like, what are the different options there for triggering this? Um, currently, it's primarily APIs, and you can do it from within mobile from the within the code that runs within your mobile service. Um, so one of the things that we do is we allow you to push any custom code, any API, whether it's in Node or .NET, and run it in the mobile service. And you get this capabilities of sending push notifications or other things that mobile services do built in out of the gate. So you can you can do that through APIs there, or you can use uh, mobile services REST APIs and uh, use it to send push notifications from anywhere else, whether it's from on-premises or from the from another cloud. Doesn't matter. And then I know that um, at least on iOS, there are, there are multiple types of notifications. And, and one of what that comes to mind is, you know, Passbook has its own special kind of push notification type where that you can use to update Passbook uh, cards. Uh, does Azure Mobile Services have support for that? Or is it really just aimed at, you know, normal app push notifications? So we have, uh, the way we approach push notifications is that we give you kind of these two layers. Uh, we allow you to send anything that's, APNS accepts so any any push notification. It's kind of raw. In which case, we are really just a good uh, um, abstraction, uh, uh, good cit- abstraction citizen that helps you with uh, sending your message. We don't look into it. We don't do anything with it. We just uh, you send it to a logical user, and we'll make sure that it, route, it routes to the right iOS device. Um, or we give you ability to uh, transform those push notifications, in which case you can send one logical message and then you can define a transform per device. And this allows you to send one logical message to mobile service and we will uh, do a given um, segment, let's say. And let's say that segment has an iOS device and a Windows device, and maybe those devices belong to the same user or maybe to, to all users that wear jeans on Sundays. And we can then transform based on the based on the transforms that you registered with us per, per each device. We call them templates. We can then transform that logical message into a physical representation for each device, and that could be a push notification to a passbook card, or it could be um, a toast, a banner, whatever. Great. So then, um, yeah, I think we've. Covered. Do we miss anything over on the the push side? Kind of before we jump topics to anything else. I mean, I think push push is an evolving capability, and one thing that is uh, interesting and keeping and we see more and more happening is a combination of a native push and in-app push notification. So if you want to reach, be able to reach a user, no matter whether the app he is running currently interacting with the app or not. Push notifications are great. It's probably the most powerful engagement tool that we have today. But once the app is running and your backend knows that it's running, uh, push notification is not the most effective way to communicate to that app, right? It's pretty slow. It goes through multiple hops, right? It goes through us and it goes through um, Apple. Um, you know, at least it crossed a couple state borders. Um, and so as a result, it might be uh, faster, especially if you want to send a lot of, um, let's say, kind of silly stock tickers or more interesting scenarios. Um, you want to use the in-app messaging. And we recently added the real-time push notifications uh, using SignalR framework, which uh, I believe has a PCL. It, it does have a PCL client as well. So you can use it from Xamarin and you can use it from iOS native or you can use it from, uh, on a, from web clients, from browser clients, from anywhere. And that supports WebSockets, or um, if the network doesn't allow you WebSockets, can negotiate down to long polling. And uh, that allows you to send much faster notifications if the app is running. So a combination of the two approaches gives you full flexibility of how to engage the user um, or how to engage the app at, at whatever rate you like. So can you send or can you connect to SignalR Hub then from your mobile services API code? Yes. Yeah, that, that's, that's precisely what you did. What we did is uh, typically you, if you do it yourself today in a, any hosting environment, you have to kind of create a hub yourself. Then if you want to run your, your backend on multiple nodes, you have to provide some sort of distributed backend 
a plane that uh, that but. Uh, can replicate the state. It's all. It's pretty. Gets very gnarly and complex. Mobile services does this for you. So you use SignalR. Um, you just send them. We automatically create hub for you. Uh, you just send a message, and we and we make sure that it scales nicely depending on your volume. Um, if you if we need to uh, behind the scenes scale out your mobile service to multiple nodes, everything is replicated correctly. You don't need to even learn about things like service bus back backplane and all those complexities. So you talked a little bit about, um, you know, your code being either in Node or in .NET. Can you expand a little bit about what that means to work in both those worlds? Yeah, so um, so like we said in the beginning, uh, mobile services is a great environment to host a mobile API. So um, if you're starting from scratch uh, or if you want to bring some existing assets, you can basically host your, your service with us. And so uh, we support two models because we realize not everybody's a .NET developer. Uh, we let you use Web API for, for those that are familiar with it and with C Sharp. Uh, and we also allow you to use Node.js. And so uh, with Node, we're effectively based on the Express.js framework. Uh, but we provide sort of a, a, a very stylized uh, programming model on top of Express, where you just kind of control the uh, just the app logic. Uh, the, the model is centered around basically, you know, CRUD uh, data access. Um, so, so, yeah, these are kind of the two models we have in parallel for the kind of different developers that might want to use mobile services. And I'm guessing that the sort of set of APIs you can access in Node are a little bit more restricted than perhaps if you had your own server installed. Can you like do your own NPM packages uh, or is it kind of restricted to a subset of, of things? Yeah, you, we support uh, uh, you bringing your own NPM packages. Basically, you publish a package.json file to uh, to Zumo, and we'll go ahead and restore those packages for you um, on the server. Uh, when, I, when I said constrained, it's basically, I mean, you're sitting on top of an HTTP pipeline. So that's that's the constraint, right? Because we are a web server. So it's, uh, you know, you can host general node code on Azure, uh, but mobile services is for hosting, you know, services. So then you bring up kind of Azure as a whole, and that was one thing I was wondering about. So you know, Azure itself is a, a pretty wide platform with a lot of different moving parts and, and things that you can take advantage of. And how does uh, Azure Mobile Services play into that? Is it basically its own entity or does it tie uh, at a more deeper at a deeper level with everything else? Yeah, I mean, we, that's, that's a great question, actually. So we, we think of mobile services as kind of an on-ramp to the rest of Azure, uh, and it's definitely built on capabilities that Azure has. So a lot of the components that are used by mobile services are available standalone. So notification hubs is an example. Uh, mobile services powers uh, push notifications, uh, but there's also a standalone service called notification hub. So if you just want to do that, uh, you can just use that standalone Azure capability. Uh, by default, mobile services gives you a database to store your data, um, you know, and so it's very easy uh, when you provision a mobile service that's there for you. But if you want to use SQL separately, uh, you can also do that. Uh, just go through to the Azure portal and create a, a database. So we see our value as kind of the service that brings together the capabilities of Azure that are most relevant to mobile developers. So we bring push, we bring data storage, uh, we bring, you know, basically hosting your, your code, your, your services. Um, uh, we kind of make it as easy as, you know, a couple of clicks in the portal to provision all the relevant assets instead of you having to go pick, pick out uh, what you need one by one. And that's kind of, that was really the uh, sort of differentiation of mobile services, how mobile services are different from other providers, like Pars or Kinvi or any other uh, backend as a service offerings that's uh, at some point have been growing like mushrooms, is that there are many really great backend as a service offerings out there. Azure Mobile Services role is not to create a silo, is not to create an island. It's uh, to make it very easy for mobile developers to leverage the cloud. And the cloud has myriads of different capabilities. And if you just if you start using them right away from on their own, you'll spend you know months learning them one by one. Um, whereas mobile services gives you a very nice package that takes that allows you to learn as you go, um, to use them as you need without extra um, effort, without extra tax. So you mentioned uh, SQL Server in mobile services. Uh, how does mobile services let you leverage that part of Azure in general? 
Right. Uh, so when you create a mobile service, one of the key scenarios we want to make very easy is storing data. So let's say you're you're building a game or to-do list or you know an expense reporting app. Uh, the the first thing you probably need to do is figure out a way to store your data in a way that all your app customers can get to it. And so you can't do it on device, so you need a place to do it in the cloud. So when you create a mobile service, by default we give you a SQL database and we let you very easily create what we call you know tables, which is basically backed by SQL, um, and we give you very very easy CRUD access to those to those tables. And so yeah, every service comes with a database, um, which you know, most of our customers use. If you don't want to use it, you can get rid of it and just use it as a web service uh, without that backing database. And if you want to use any other data store, like Mongo or Azure Table Storage, you can use it as well. It, SQL is kind of our default choice because it has the most richness in terms of queryability, etc. Mm-hmm. But that's not the best choice for every possible app. So kind of folks can choose and use Azure Table yeah. Storage instead. And and the, the nice thing for enterprise customers is that you're not limited to data stores that are hosted in Azure. So if you would like to to um, to access your SQL server that's on premises, we actually have a great service. It's a sort of relay that lets you talk to um, to assets that are that are not in Azure. So you can talk to your existing SQL server. Uh, you can talk to your existing Mongo database. It doesn't have to be Azure hosted. And how have you found performance to be? So if you're hosting a, a service in Azure Mobile Services and you're talking to databases that are, you know, not really in the same data center or connected directly, um, as it would be if you were hosting on some, some other cloud service like Mongo HQ or something or an on-premise database, do you find that performance is, uh, really degrades a lot or does it really stand up? Well, there's certainly going to be a difference, uh, between uh, host using, let's say, SQL Azure or Azure Table Storage that's run in the same data center and the same cluster as your mobile service versus talking to uh, data that is stored in a SQL server on-premise. Um, but you probably do it for a reason. Um, you're probably really sensitive about the data. You really don't want to uh, leave the premises. Um, at that point, uh, it's a trade-off between performance and how paranoid you are about your data. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, we, we give you both options. Uh, some folks choose to have kind of, you know, cache, cache some data, uh, for short periods of time, uh, that is for intensive reads, but, uh, at the same time, store most of it on prem. There, there is a variety of, we have, we give, we give you a spectrum. It's really your choice. Um, so if you wanted to take advantage of an, another data store type, like maybe, or any kind of NoSQL data store, are there any good options for doing that within mobile services outside of, you know, spinning up an Azure VM with the, the database you want? Oh, definitely. We have a number of partners uh, that host uh, NoSQL uh, data stores in Azure. So certainly Azure itself provides Azure table storage, and there's a very easy way to use uh that as a table as a data store uh, with your mobile service, um, you use Azure Table Storage APIs, and we can you can easily transform them um, as two um, kind of simple APIs on the client to store data. Um, and then uh, there is Mongo Labs, that uh, great partner of ours that provides Mongo as a service um, in Azure, and so you can create a Mongo Labs uh, instance in the same data center, in the same region as mobile service. This way, you don't pay for egress traffic, etc., and uh, you work you work with it from your mobile service. We offer you within mobile services, we offer you abstraction uh, layers, kind of CRUD APIs. Uh, we call them table controllers that uh, allow you to work with those data sources, whether it's table storage, whether it's uh, Mongo, whether it's SharePoint. Doesn't matter, um, and project it to uh, a CRUD uh, shape that our SDKs understand very well. That works with offline uh, sync capabilities that our SDKs provides, and so forth. And I guess one, one of the things we haven't touched on yet is that um, all, all these things we've talked about so far, far on Azure, provide a free tier. So for free, you can create uh, 10 mobile services. Actually, you can keep 10 mobile services for free forever. Uh, but, you know, for example, Mongo and SQL, they all have a free tier that lets you basically, you know, walk up to Azure and try it out uh, without having to pay. Uh, so, you know, it's actually super easy to get started with something like Mongo. Getting into the pricing side of things, is there any, like, pricing calculator or any tools that can help developers sort of figure out what their 
costs are going to be. I mean, I can see developers ranging from like hobbyists with their own little side app wanting to use this uh, and maybe being afraid that pricing is going to be an issue. Uh, I mean, we, yeah, there's definitely a pricing calculator. If you go to windowsazure.com, it's pretty easy to, to, to um, navigate to it. Um, mobile services, we have sort of three tiers. We have a free, uh, basic, and a standard tier. And basically, you're paying per API call. So in, e- in each tier, you get a unit, and each unit comes with a certain number of API calls. So as you um, as your app grows, you can just add, uh, add more units um, and kind of scale with your demand. And I think... Um, uh, it's, it's fairly cheap. Like you can, I think it's like 20 something bucks a month. Um, if you want to run a pretty sizable app. Yeah, 20. So it starts, you can run an app, you can run the mobile service for free perpetually in a free tier. You get certain limits of API calls. So you won't run a real kind of successful production app, but, uh, definitely if you want to play around, if you want to publish it to the app store, see how it goes, but the volume is low, you can use a free tier and we'll never charge you. Um, and then if ASAP uh, gets more successful, you know, 20, for $25, you get uh, quite a good chunk of API calls uh, with mobile services. There are also discounts depending on where you are. Like if, you're, if you have a MSDN subscription, you don't need to pay for it at all, um, et cetera. So that the, the free tier there and then the $25 that you were mentioning, so that's that, I assume that's just for Azure Mobile Services itself. Does that also include some of the, the data storage that we talked about as well? Ah, good question. Yeah. So, yes, we so one difference between mobile services and kind of traditional uh, backend as a service offerings is that we give you the data is yours. We are not locking you in. You can anytime take your data, move somewhere else. Uh, work with it. For example, if you use SQL, that SQL database is yours. You have full control over that SQL database. You can actually add another worker role or another component and talk to the database directly. Or you can use an existing database that you already had before before you start using mobile services. Uh, of course, with that comes that you, it's your database, you're paying for it. Um, uh, SQL Azure offers you free uh, databases up to 20 megabytes or something like that. Azure Table Storage is excruciatingly cheap, just like any other storage solution. So you kind of you're paying cents uh, per megabytes. Um, Mongo Labs offer you free perpetually free tier with some data limit. So all of those data source stores that we support, they all come with free tier or some excruciatingly cheap, cheap price. Uh, and uh, then, if, but if if the data grows, of course, yeah, you'll need to pay at some point. Right. So you mentioned before, kind of jumping back to the the data side thing and away from pricing a bit. Um, I mean, you you kind of mentioned in passing that being able to to sync easily between you know your your client devices and the server. Um, and and to me that that's a really really important thing to dig into. So can we can you kind of talk um or just kind of get started? I guess talking about the the sync capabilities of Azure Mobile Services. Yeah, so we have a we have a solution that's currently um, in preview, and soon we we plan to to uh, make available with like a full production SLA, uh, and that's based on uh, SQLite um, on the client. So basically, any device that can run SQLite, which includes you know um, iOS, Android, Windows Phone, all the big ones, uh, can can use the solution. And so effectively, what we what we let you do um, is build an offline cache uh, of of the data. Uh, that, that you have in your mobile service, uh, work with that data while you're disconnected. And then when you come back online, you can go and sync any changes you made uh, back to the server. Uh, with that, uh, we do conflict uh, detection. So if, if someone else changed the data uh, while uh, you are offline, you'll get a notification of that on the server or on the client. And you can sort of pick the, the, uh, the conflict resolution policy that's most appropriate for your data. Um, we also so, give you order preservation. There are a number of things that comes with offline sync solution. I think the, the important part is that we chose to the approach where we provide you a data sync solution for every platform out there. There's iOS, Android, Windows, um, web will come pretty soon. Um, Xamarin, of course, um, PhoneGap will come uh, pretty soon, integration with Censure. Um, and then you can use it on any platform, but when you build cross-platform apps, uh, a good practice is to keep your data model data model on the client fairly simple. You don't want to 
you know, we it was never our goal to recreate, you know, sync effects or any fully featured all-in-one synchronization solution. Right. Um, we focused on, okay, let's take, let's provide a simple to use, uh, does 80% of the common scenarios, or 90%, whatever percentage of the common scenarios, um, gets you, uh, helps you do the job, uh, works on any platform, works with mobile services. And works with all the different data tiers, right? And works that's, with that. And so that's, some data that's, tiers don't yeah, have relationships. Yeah, right? so like many, when we service these current data sync solutions out there, many of them are tied to a particular data store. We didn't want to tie it to any particular data store. So our, our data sync um, solution works with either SQL or Azure Table Storage or Mongo. doesn't matter. So how much control do you have over, say, like, how does the, the, the frequency of the synchronization work and, and how much data is synchronized, uh, um, you know, going back and forth? Do you, do you have a pretty fine-grained control over that? A good solution. A good question. Yes, uh, we actually started from the grounds up. So uh, the first thing was we gave you full control. It's and it's an explicit programming model. So you explicitly push and push and push and pull. Um, then we give you some helpers. Um, like we will give you help 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 us around. You know, check, reacting to network events. But for a while, we will stay away from doing any magic around predicting when you want to sync. It's really, you're building, our assumption is that you're building an offline-capable app, and you're taking into account and you're building an app around the fact that it's offline-capable, that it's occasionally connected, as opposed to you're building, you kind of working as if it, you're always online and we do some magic thing behind the scenes. You know, many have tried and it rarely works. What about uh, conflict resolution? You manage, there's some different policies you can specify, um, but do you have control to like program your own sort of API logic uh, against conflicts that arise? Yeah, I mean, I think currently, actually, it's, it's entirely up to you. So you can implement uh, whatever conflict resolution rules you want. Uh, further down the line, we plan to have a few policies built in for common things like last write wins, etc. Uh, but right now, it's fully up to the developer. And is that defined within the, the app code or is that defined on the, the Azure mobile services side? That's currently in the server. So in the server, you can specify that logic. And is that written in JavaScript then or C-sharp? Uh, you, you can use both both Node.js, so JavaScript or, or .NET if you prefer. Okay. Yep. Um, so kind of jumping, uh, do we miss anything, first of all, on, on sync? Because I know that's, like I said, that's a pretty big topic. Um, no, I think we covered, yeah, we covered this pretty good. Uh, Again, this is a fairly new feature. We, uh, I think, we released it only a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. Still in preview. We're collecting feedback from folks. So, if anyone uh, among you, <laughs> among the listeners, has an opinions about how mobile services sync is implemented, we're certainly here to listen. Yeah, and we should actually mention how do how do people contact us, right? That's a that's a yeah, that's, that's a good yeah. Thing. That's so <laughs> both of us are on Twitter, and we can maybe uh, make our, our handles available in the notes for the show, uh, or people can email. Is it mobile services? Yeah, mobile services at Microsoft.com. Yeah, uh, so feel free to reach out to us if you if you'd like to use offline and have feedback. Um, you'll hear back from one of us. Do you have a sense yet of when that'll be kind of an official release or is it um, still too early to say? Well, we support, we support production apps using okay. offline sync. So we will never break. It's completely safe to use it uh, for production. Uh, the reason we want to call it preview is that it's just to invite the feedback and mm -hmm. we want to grow it and evolve it. Um, yes, at some point we'll declare it general availability. It's, um, I don't want to commit to a date. <laughs> uh, as soon as we feel, as soon as we feel that it's mature, uh, that it has enough, it has enough uh, in it, um, we'll claim it. But for, as far as <laughs> you want to build a production app, we're not going to break the API. It's you can use it today. So one of the other big pillars of mobile services that we haven't really chatted about yet is user management and authentication, authorization. Uh, can you sort of bring us through what mobile services does for that? Yeah, so we support um, all the major social auth providers uh, to begin with. So, you know, Google, uh, Facebook, uh, Microsoft account, uh, Twitter, you can log into, your customers can log into your app, build a mobile service, mobile services with any of these auth providers. Um, so in addition to that, for enterprise customers, we've added support for uh, Active Directory. 
Um, so if you're building, you know, an expense app or a HR app or something like that, and you'd like, uh, you know, your corporate users to just use the same credentials they, they use at work, uh, we support that as well as an auth provider. Uh, and the cool thing about Active Directory is that uh, not only can you log into your mobile service so that so that um, we can authenticate you, uh, but you, you can also gain access from within your mobile service to enterprise assets. Um, so uh, if I log in, uh, you know, as my Microsoft identity, uh, I can have the mobile service go and, and update something on SharePoint or put something on my calendar or Office 365 um, on behalf of my domain user. So, so that's that's pretty powerful. So in addition to the social auth providers, um, once you're actually authenticated, uh, how, how do we actually deal with like authorization in our mobile APIs? Um, we currently let you basically uh, specify at the API level uh, who has access to it. So you can declare an API to be uh, available to everybody. Um, you know, you can um, make it only f available to authenticated users. Um, and then you can do uh, you can do roles. Currently, uh, it's uh, a little bit manual. So you'd have to sort of maintain a, a table of what users have what roles. Um, if you're using a social provider, if you're using Active Directory, you can use some of the claims that come from Active Directory to figure out what the roles uh, of different customers are. And then in your app code, you basically specify, you know, given roles have uh, given permissions within um, certain certain uh, call. Again, both Norden and uh, .NET offerings, they use the established uh, Web API programming models. So in .NET case, we use ASP.NET Web API. And so you use authorized attributes. You can do enroll checks. Um, it's... So it's called, it's all, there's nothing new. Like one of the principles that we went in is to not reinvent the wheels and not to, not to reinvent what authentication authorization means. You use the APIs that you're familiar with if you've used it before, uh, and we help you if you haven't. Yeah, I think we kind of breeze through that social provider bit, but I, I know myself, like if, if anyone's ever worked with the OAuth stuff from all those providers, this is really actually quite big. It's It's nice to have a really easy implementation of this. Yeah, is, is it possible to use uh, the Azure services for social auth if you're not using, um, you know, the built-in Azure user management as well? Or does it, is it really tied to authenticating to users uh, stored in Azure mobile services? Well, we don't currently uh, define how you store um, your users. Um, so we, what we help you is um, we act as a broker. We help we help you configure and set up the auth with different providers. We authenticate you and we give you the claims that come with a with a token. But we let you store that information and we let you store whatever else you want to associate with the user in that SQL database or Azure Table Storage or Mongo that you chose to use. Um, we plan to offer you to continue helping you more and more. But we will always uh, prefer, uh, we will always give you full control over where to store the data. So you can, it's really up to you where you want to store your user profile information. And which uh, social providers do you support currently? We have Microsoft account, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Google, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I guess the big four. Cool. Yeah. And like John said, I've, I've actually just spent some time recently going through all the headaches involved in doing OAuth and things that claim they're OAuth but aren't quite OAuth. So being able to to abstract that away and let you guys deal with it is, you know, that, that sounds like a beautiful thing. Yep. All you need to do is, you know, go, go to Facebook, create an app and then copy some secrets back to the Azure portal and we reconfigure all the frameworks for you. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, and one other thing, I mean, we were kind of talking APIs back and forth there. Um, and you mentioned, you know, not reinventing the wheel and being able to take advantage of web API and things like that, or express over on the, the node JavaScript side. Um, for a developer that might be used to already writing things in web API or express, I mean, are these really the same frameworks and the same classes and filters and all that kind of thing? Or are there subtle different, any subtle differences to be aware of um, for someone coming from Using these uh, using these frameworks up elsewhere, they're actually exactly the same. So on .NET side, they're exactly the same, and you can bring any existing web APIs that you have and run it on mobile services, and you automatically get a bunch of value. Uh, for example, we actually know that it's web API as opposed to other hosting 
uh, environments, and we instrument uh, the Web API pipeline. And even if you don't opt in into any mobile services features, you just bring your existing Web API to mobile services, we will monitor and manage and take care of your Web API and automatically patch if we need to, if some security vulnerability occurred, uh, automatically patch the runtime without you having to redeploy your Web API. It's sort of kind of this managed plus 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 environment, uh, if you will, for your Web API. Uh, just a good place for your Web API, to, Web API to be. And then, you, of course, you probably will choose to opt in into additional capabilities. And kind of then we'll, the more you opt in, the more we help you. Um, on Node side, since that was our first foray into uh, mobile services, we uh, it is express. Uh, you have to do kind of controllers are literally actually the same. Um, it's it's exactly it's exactly the same um, API. Uh, you don't get um, like if you want, for example, if you chose how to define routes in Express, we don't expose that to you. Like we register it for the routes um, ourselves. So it's a, on the node side, it's a little bit more constrained uh, because beyond the .NET side, it's literally you just bring your ASP.NET Web API project and publish to us. And we'll figure out which controllers are Web API and which are MVC, and we take care of the Web API controllers. Yeah, and we have customers that love each of the models, right? So some customers really appreciate having sort of the guardrails in place, uh, and you know, and just never having to encounter things they don't know or they don't understand, and this makes it very easy for them to get their app done. Uh, other customers want to really tinker with all the bells and whistles and configure all kinds of funky stuff within within the guts of Web API. So I mean, we we go back and forth. But definitely, you know, both models have their their fans. And so it's kind of constantly a game of shifting one way or the other, opening up certain things that people are asking for. Um, so uh, we, we definitely aim to be as extensible as possible and let, let people tinker if they, if they like. So one of the other things that I wanted to, uh, to uh, mention and, and kind of talk about and that I think personally sets you apart from some of the other providers out there is the, the fact that you guys have a, a task scheduler kind of built into services as well. Um, that's actually something that I've always been surprised that a lot of other, you know, similar platforms don't support. Uh, but can you kind of walk us through what you can do with the, the, the built-in scheduler? Uh, yeah. So um, basically we let you um, uh, create what we call, like you said, scheduled jobs and a scheduled job can run as uh as frequently as every minute or, you know, as, um, as, as long as every month, if that's what you like. Uh, and schedule job is just a piece of code that, that you define. Uh, so it's in a way very similar to um, any uh, method you have hanging out for your controller. Um, so uh, it's, it's literally that simple. And you get quite a few schedule jobs for free uh, with your mobile service. You don't have to worry about, you know, uh, provisioning an extra service. Like I know there's actually standalone cron services you can use um so you don't have to worry about that actually azure even has a standalone scheduler which which uh which, we use. which is which is used by mobile services and so we, we built that in uh built uh, right into mobile services so you don't have to worry about you know learning one more place to to go in the portal it's kind of one of those um one of those examples where um we bring we glue together different pieces of azure in one simple to use solution um versus you having to spelunk thousands of pages of documentation and figuring out all the different <laughs> services that Azure has, which I, even I don't remember by heart. So. Yeah. And and one of the nice things about the scheduler is it, people take different approaches to, to schedule tasks. Some of them are very low level sort of operating system things. Uh, ours are very high level. Ours are actually, you get to use the same programming models you use from your application code. The nice thing about that is it's super easy to go and like pull Twitter and, and, store the data in your mobile service like that's super easy to do uh you can you have access to all your your data that you have in your mobile service so if you want to write something that goes and you know uh, cleans up duplicates or deletes old entries like it's it's just a few lines of code so it's very it's the programming model is super easy uh it's not like you have to worry about like running command line uh scripts or things like that and you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, Active Directory support, with is, which is definitely something that sets you apart from some of the other providers out there. Are there any other, you know, and obviously Microsoft is is a company known for dealing with enterprise solutions and enterprise companies. Are, are there any other pieces of Azure Mobile Services that really uh, cater to that audience? 
Yeah, as you correctly observe, we have a pretty significant enterprise focus in mobile services. This is not to say that people shouldn't use us for consumer apps or for hobbyist apps. Uh, we have plenty of games on mobile services today, but um, uh, we do... Um, we do offer uh, quite a bit for enterprise audience. Uh, Active Directory is a natural one. Uh, in addition to that, it's uh, hybrid connections, so ability to connect to on-premise data uh, and on-premise systems from mobile services. It's um, ability to integrate with um, SharePoint, Office 365, etc., which is kind of fairly uh, close to the heart to the enterprise audience. It's uh, the whole notion of um, when we started mobile services, we were we, we were very excited about the concept of backend as a service. Right? Oh, this is cool. We thought finally we can offer to a mobile to a client developer we can offer a backend that he doesn't need to do anything with. And backend as a service is a really great idea, uh, except once you get into enterprise scenarios, uh, you know many enterprise developers started poking holes. Well, okay, so does it mean that I am locked in into you? I cannot move anywhere, or does it mean that I can I can only do what these three things push auth and data and only within the API constrained APIs that you provide and nothing else? That's where we well, you know, given our who we are, um, that's where we started differentiating. And so what we what we really uh, we kept from the concept of backend as a service is that we manage the thing for you. We take care of it, we patch if we need to, we monitor it, and we call you if we think the issue is in your code as opposed to our internal uh, challenges. While everything else, we keep the simplicity that was inherent in BAS uh, offerings. We make sure that, every, that the on-ramp the on is very simple. It's very easy to start. It all takes seconds and you have a backend running. But we remove constraints. We don't stand in your way. And that is kind of another thing that appeals to enterprise audience that is, you could say, specific to enterprise audience, um, but also appeals to many other folks kind of we see that are coming to our uh, to our offering from others saying that, well, I really like ability to use my own NPM modules. I really like ability to use whatever I, I can find in Node.js ecosystem, or I really like to just bring my existing web API and not need to learn a new programming model and have been constrained. And I really like the fact that I can just take this data and move and go at any given point in time. Um, our runtime is also um, open source. So you can just take the whole thing and run it yourself on a VM somewhere. Um, we don't stand in your way. I, well, one of, the, one of the other things that's really near and dear to my heart is uh, uh, Visual Studio support. So if you're, a, if you're a Microsoft developer, you can actually create your mobile service right from within VS, uh, and then you can actually publish it to Azure right from within VS, and you can even debug it remotely uh, as it's running on the cloud. Um, so you need to make sure you have VS 2013 update 2 or later. Um, and so I mean, that's that's one thing that I think will really resonate with enterprise customers is just continuing to use the tools they're used to. If they don't want to use the Azure portal, they, they don't have to. So kind of speaking of debugging, and you know, remote debugging sounds great too, but what if what about developers who might want to, to do some of this or as much of this locally as possible? Are there ways to kind of simulate things like Azure table storage and, and things like that? Or do you really need to be connected to mobile services itself? Yeah, so we let you we let you uh, run the uh, the .NET backend for mobile services locally, so you can actually play with it on your own machine, uh, throw HTTP requests at it, uh, you know, um, and then that runs against the local uh, SQL uh, database. So you know, Visual Studio comes with uh, SQL Express, and you can just or um, yeah, that's what it's called, SQL Express. Um, so you can run the the whole sorry, local. Oh, local DB. Sorry, yeah, local <laughs> DB is the latest the latest SQL incarnation that comes with VS, and so you don't need to install anything extra. Um, so you can literally simulate your service and your database uh, locally. Uh, table storage also has a local uh, uh, um, emulator if you'd like to 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 play with that locally. Your Mongo, of course, you can run locally. So um, you can do a lot of it on your machine before you publish to Azure. So are these things available like as part of 2013 update too, or are they additional downloads to run those locally? Uh, it's in the box with 2013 update two. All right. So I think we've covered pretty much everything. Is there anything that you guys can think of that we have missed that you'd like to get out there? I think it's, yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> I think we, uh, we've, we've done pretty, we've gone pretty well. 
Mm-hmm. We've covered pretty much everything. I would love for folks to try it out. So if you if you haven't tried it already, uh, you can literally go up, uh, sign up for Azure. If you have an MSDN subscription, you don't actually need a credit card. If you don't have an MSDN subscription, you do need a credit card, but you will be charged zero dollars, and we promise you that. <laughs> Uh, the only reason they ask for a credit card is for fraud reasons. Uh, so, so you can get started for free. Apparently, a lot of bitcoins were generated on um, Azure VMs purchased <laughs> using false credit cards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, one last question then: Any uh, future plans coming to Azure Mobile Services that you can maybe share with us today? Anything new and exciting? Um, definitely. Um, I could uh, I could uh, mention few. Um, we are pretty excited about expanding our offline sync story. Um, so you'll see um, currently we support iOS, um, Windows, Xamarin on iOS and Android. You'll see Android native implementation. You'll see even better integration with Core Data, um, kind of more, nat- more natural integration with Core Data on iOS. So you don't have um, we'll web clients you'll see us uh, working uh, we support web clients and we see and we have customers that use mobile services as an API uh, that you access from the browser you don't have to be a mobile app to use mobile services um, and uh, I think there are quite a few things we could do in addition like signal for example adding signal intrinsic built-in signal R support is one of them and you, you can uh, you, uh, you'll see us doing more in that yeah, space so real time. Um, real time messaging is important to us. Um, so we, uh, and we've, we've tell, so we uh, shipped SignalR and we'll do more in that space. Um, analytics, um, especially with the uh, recent acquisition of Captain, um, doing this, closing the cycle between the analytics and engagement and helping you with your app, um, both your, Whatever KPIs matter, matter to you, whether it's a screen time, whether it's in-app purchases, whether it's how many users you have, helping you with that and closing that this uh, uh, flywheel circle. Um, yeah, we in general you can you, we focus on two uh, a lot on the apps that target consumer and apps that target the employees, and you'll see us continue investing in both places. Sounds good. Uh, well, uh, thank thank you guys so much for joining and uh, kind of going through all this with uh, with us and for our listeners. And I think this was it was a lot of stuff to go through, but I I think we hopefully we covered it all. Well, thank you guys for having us. Yeah, thank you. It was pretty exciting. Anytime, and thanks everyone for tuning in. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile. Bye.